Well, I mean, I won't you know mention him specifically. Okay. <clears throat> this is the problem whenever we have this podcast is that you know, getting to the podcast part. Yeah, we actually we, get we, so we, invested <laughs> in talking ahead. about stuff ahead of the podcast that we mm-hmm. we've already talked about it once before we do the podcast. We can yeah. talk about my sweaty balls. <laughs> <laughs> No, so, let's not. Have you you know what we're talking about? Right? I do. Oh, thank. I'm just making sure because that's a really weird statement. If you, I did you bring up Shweddy earlier, you which did, is why was, it was, was in your head, didn't you? Uh, I just don't know, Ken, if you're a listener because I oftentimes will push the record button before we actually begin. So I, I got a really that. clear Ken saying Shweddy balls, <laughs> which I don't know if I can use for the podcast now or not. Whatever. Yeah. It's, well, it's what well, it's that's uh, the kind of thing you copyright use. protected by a Saturday Night Live, right? Is it really? I, I don't know. I mean, I think oh. that they made T-shirts and stuff out of it. I mean, I I, I see it I'm, all the time. Maybe they didn't copyright it. I don't know. You I see it know. all the time. Yeah, T-shirts and stuff like people wearing them. I still. I, they I mean, okay. They probably old. people just probably make them. Well, point, that's probably right? true. At this it's point. just the whole the whole episode. It's just watching them not try to crack up is just worth it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is the illustrious staff members of my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. The people I've managed to learn to talk to me with bug games with me today is Jamie. My shoe's getting licked right now. Okay, it must be delicious. Oh, you stepped in some syrup. I bet you syrup leaked on me from yep. breakfast this morning. Yep. Yeah. It's getting cleaned right now. And Ken. <laughs> this conversation is only half as weird as you think it is. Oh, it's so much deeper. It's always deeper. <laughs> or as I call myself, Jamie 1.0. That's how I was selling myself two weeks ago to that group that you had me surprised talking to. Uh, oops. <clears throat> yeah. So. High school kids came in. and college, I College. Oh, yeah. College kids came in who were interested in going into... Uh, kind of the planning, city planning stuff. They mm-hmm. came in because they wanted to talk about the new building, and um, I forgot they were Somebody coming and left there. and went out of town. And so Ken had to punt, and he handled himself very well, very adroitly that. on like the fly. A pro. They're not kicking him out of town. Yet. <laughs> Fantastic! It's <laughs> a step in the right direction. It's, yes. it's, you got to go there. Oops. So, <laughs> so speaking of things that are going on in the store, how was the store this week? Um, good. It was a pre-release weekend for Magic, so uh, we're recording this on Sunday. We just got done with Friday night and Saturday night pre-release events for March of the Machine. I happened to be there on Friday. It was insane how full the basement was. Yeah, we were at capacity. Yep. It was packed. We normally have the eight-foot-long plastic tables with six chairs on them. It's, everybody's comfortable that way. And we had to ask everybody to get a little cozy with each other and put eight chairs on each table because you were there also playing Zombicide. Yep. And then we had our Warhammer folks that were playing on the big tables in the back. And so um, that was the reason why we're trying to move to a new building with more table space, right? Because we were 100% at capacity of what we could have done. Um, for magic events, and so so that was good. Yeah, uh, we also got a massive shipment of Robinsberger puzzles, and uh, which has prompted us to run the Jamie ordered too many puzzles sale, the third annual one, because this is the third time they they don't look like they're that many puzzles when I'm filling out you like the little Excel spreadsheet. Planning for the sale, but no, he really just orders too much. It's pretty entertaining, really. 
Yeah, it was, uh, so Ariel and I spent three and a half hours checking in all the new puzzles. I think it's 115 designs we've never had in the store before, including some really cool new escape room puzzles that they do. They've got three new ones called Escape the Circle that I can't wait to play. I played most of the, the, the traditional escape room puzzles they have, so they got Escape the Circle. I want to know what's, what's going on there. Whenever there was a huge puzzle. There was, was being the operative term because that <laughs> got sold before it even got on the floor. A hot here. second. Yeah, I posted a picture. I ordered one of those crazy big eighteen thousand piece puzzles, figuring it was going to sit on the shelf for a while and just look cool sitting there. Nay, 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 nay. Two folks from Champagne saw it and drove over from Champagne and bought the puzzle before it was ever actually officially. It never had made it to the floor. Also known as the best product ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but I bought two different 18,000-piece puzzles, so one of them, the Disney one, will make it to the floor. Ooh. And these are a little pricey ones, though, correct? Yeah, they're 200 bucks. Yeah. but It's only not, $0.10 cents a piece. I, I didn't order the... Did you do the math right on that one? I don't that think can't I don't, be. That no. can't be, right? You said two, roughly two thousand. Oh, it's twenty thousand pieces. Yeah, my. You, that's a penny you, a puzzle. I'm sorry, a piece. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of pieces. That's a lot of pieces. That's a lot of pennies. Holy cow. Yeah, and. Um, How big does it work out to be? I don't physically. Yeah, I mean, because you obviously well, need a lot of space for it. I think 20, it's like I think it's like nine foot. Oh. Nine foot by four foot, because wow. they do make they make a forty two thousand piece puzzle, and that one says that this is twenty two feet long when it's completed. So basically, you have to have you got to do it on the floor, or yeah, I don't know where else you would do it. Event to get that thing. I mean, obviously, with a very large floor, get that puzzle, get a bunch of people together, and have at it. Or a room where you can just string a whole bunch of tables in a row. <laughs> you have to like do it in different rooms, and just somebody walks around <laughs> with a box. Like, yeah, yeah. The tables don't have to be the same height. Yeah. Just, so those were just a couple of the things that happened this week. Otherwise, it was a pretty calm week. You know, that's yeah. It was for Red Raccoon standards. I will say I, I've I've said we had a crazy week so many times. <clears throat> this true. was actually a pretty calm week overall. We had uh, you know a bunch of new stuff showed up, um, boxes put in the wrong place, which caused some confusion. Um, staff confusing other staff members, but that's all pretty par for the course at Red Raccoon, right? We, we and, have the normal new set. Okay, for those of you who don't know, Magic has decided that pre-release has a whole new meaning. Well, I should say Wizards. um, Where we can sell the product 100% when the pre-release occurs, which is great for being a store. uh, But it means we have to prepare all the singles before we theoretically even have... It's complicated. Let's just say real fast, we have to do a whole lot of opening. Well, the old process was we would get... We are having a pre-release weekend, and the only thing we would receive was pre-release kits and prizes to give out to people, and that's it. And then we had the whole rest of the week to prepare to open product, to have singles available in the case, and we sell singles online. And so we had a whole week to do it all, historically. And this time, and well, the new process now, we've got two days. And so Ken and Chance and Alexis and Ryan spent two days of doing nothing but sitting opening packs, sorting cards, putting them in piles, getting them all ready to sell. Um, and it was this frantic scramble so that everything was ready before we opened on Friday. And, and I know someone out there saying, I like opening product. Trust me when I say 
that excitement goes away. I was just about to ask that question, Ken. I was like, I've do you still get the, the buzz of a, opening a, a box? On a personal level, I've personally opened 100 boxes before, and that's when it killed it for me. Um, <laughs> but this is a close second. Because, I mean, maybe the collector boosters where each one is a new possible exciting, but when you get to the set boosters, it's great when you see a Raghavan. That's a high-value card. It's great when you see one of the two mythics that you're needing to have everything in the case which took us a while to get to the last one. But the rest of it's just like, uh, another hour, another couple boxes. It's just the way it is. Because you don't really have time to sit and just enjoy nope. it and just look and read the cards. It's like rares in this pile, commons in this pile, uncommons in this pile, next pack. Rare, way, rares, commons, uncommons, next like pack. If you like art, this set, Watsy really spent a lot of money on art for this set because there's some of the cards have three four different art versions not just different versions different art versions the dog is tickling my leg like nobody's business wow. <laughs> sorry no it was just unexpected we're we're recording this we were trying to have a fourth member of the recording which is my dog but apparently she is pups. she is being a little bit of a distraction that's what they're for it's okay it's okay it's, oh yeah it's the friendly complex no but if in the middle of this podcast if you randomly hear a bark or something that's why yes the bark will be on our end so and overall though for for the normal red raccoon yeah, level it was, of things, it was, it was a pretty normal week we had a good week we got things done we had a it was beautiful out most of this oh, week yeah. we had the doors propped open and and um that was all good until we put 40 something bodies in the basement at the same time friday night and then i'm like okay i'll turn on the air <laughs> really was trying to avoid turning on the air because today it's cold. It's going to be cold Super most of cold this. And rain, it, 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 it hailed and sleeted earlier this morning. Most of this week, it's going to be cold again. So I felt like I'm, I, I don't want to turn on the air for one day. But you do what you got to do. You know, right? It just yeah. occurred to me that part of the reason things went so well is I was out for like half the week. I, I don't we want don't to draw to, a correlation. Yeah, I don't let's want to not say draw that line. Causation, <laughs> let's not get the yarn out on this conversations of why is the basement so quiet. <laughs> well, no, that one I certainly believe. <laughs> so, with your time off and a more uh, relaxing week at the store, did you guys actually get any games on the table? Um, no, I don't think I played any board games this week at all. Womp womp. Of course, yeah. as we've talked about, when you work at a game store, the first thing that goes is the time to you play know, games. Ariel asked me, Ariel always asking the probing questions on, on Thursday, I think, asked me, so Ken, besides magic, because she knows me, uh, what else do you play? And I had to think, because uh, I haven't physically Have, have you played, played a board game since last time you came over to my house? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and I point out that games I do like include such wonderful games as Lords of Waterdeep, which is a Fantastic. great game. Love it. Uh, and several other games, and Lord knows I own a lot of board games, uh, and I have a garage full of games. Um, I just, I played WoW. When you work at a game shop, that's the yeah. first thing that goes, is actually playing the games. However, I actually managed to sneak one in. Wow. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with Dropout, which is a streaming service that came from the remnants of College Humor. Oh, that's where it came from. Yes. I did not know that. Yes. Um, they have an amazing platform of original content. Uh, they have a lot of great, uh, just kind of game shows you might say such as game changer where on every single episode the game that they play changes but the contestants don't know until the game starts 
Uh, they have one called Dirty Laundry where they get probably BC list celebrities to come on there, put in secrets about themselves anonymously, and then as a roundtable have to try and decide who does this you know go to, who's the person that created this. Uh, but one of my favorite games as a geek is called Um Actually, which is a reverse. Yes, which is a uh, a reverse kind of of. Uh, Jeopardy, where instead of trying to guess the right answer, what you're trying to do is guess what's wrong with a statement. And so, as part of our Patreon exclusive for today, because I have Ken and Jamie here, two of the veterans of the gaming industry, I thought we might play a round of actually the board game of Um Actually that came out a few years ago. I finally got a chance to play it. I absolutely loved it, and so I definitely want to share it with other people. So for Patreon users, after we say goodbye... Uh, if you want to stick around, you can listen to Jamie and Ken try and outdo each other and find out who is the top geek in this table. I would strongly suggest for all the people out there listening, well, who will be listening, go watch them, actually. You can see it on YouTube. They they don't have the whole thing, but they have some of them. Yes. Like and funny clips? No, they, the whole they have a whole episode. They just don't have the whole run season. of the show. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. But they are hilarious. And they, and they have geek... B and C listers, I guess it would be the appropriate yes. way to say it. Playing, and uh, but but the, it's it's fun, and the backgrounds are fun. There's so much geek culture going on in that room. Uh, well, and that some of the B and C list celebrities are really actually have doctorates. Oh yeah, too. oh no no, yeah. some of them are very very smart. People. Like um, uh, Amy Farrah Fowler, oh, what's yeah, her name? Mayum. I can never Mayim say Bach, her. It's the same person. But yeah, I, oh, okay. <laughs> I can never say her name right. I don't think she's, that she's managed to get on the show. But people like Becca Scott that you might know from does um, a ton of board game reviews. Does a ton of board game <clears throat> reviews and how to plays. Uh, uh, Iffy, uh, I'm trying to remember his last name. He is he appears on the front cover of the new Major League Baseball video game, uh, and also was part of the video that where they described the new uh, virtual tabletop for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, he's on oh, there quite a I, bit. I saw that the thing from like two weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. If, okay, if you're, you're talking about if you're a Critical Role fan, uh, Matt Mercer, Marsha uh, May, Sam, all of the people from pretty much uh, Critical Role have been on some of their programs. In fact. One of the key elements of Dropout is something called Dimension 20, which is led by someone named Brennan Lee Mulligan, who, if you ever have seen him DM, he, what I always say is, if you like drama with a little bit of humor, watch Critical Role. If you like humor with some drama, watch Dimension 20. Because <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen the the CEO videos where a CEO has to try and explain like horrible things, like there's one uh, Oreos where he's like, guys. The Tide Pods one? The Tide Pods one is also an <laughs> excellent one. I didn't think one. we'd have to say this. But don't eat our Tide Pods. And then he goes through a, a <laughs> group great. of products that is like, like exactly here's a cheeseburger that's a razor, but it looks like a cheeseburger. And he's like, guys, come on. Yeah, was, um, I just saw that one. Yes, but he's fantastic. He's been in, in the geek culture for a long time. His mom actually wrote a comic book called Starstruck, which they eventually made into a season of Dimension 20. They role-played a game within that universe. Uh, Matt Mercer has been on Dimension 20. Uh, the... McElroy Brothers has been on a season of it uh, from my brother and my brother and me. It's fantastic. I'm gonna stop trying to give them. So we're gonna try to we're gonna try to play a round of this after the end of the regular podcast, and it'll be for the Patreon subscribers. Yeah, correct. Thank you, Jamie, for getting me back on task. I was beginning to ramble there. Um, But speaking of things that are worth rambling about, uh, there was some news that came out in these past two weeks about a product that I know. A lot of people are going to be excited about whether they're a gamer or not, and that is Disney's Lorcana. 
So we finally have gotten some information about how the game is going to be played. And basically it's very similar if you know other games. Uh, you're going to have characters that you can play. The characters' goals are going to be trying to get lore, and that is one of the winning elements of the game. Uh, in order to play these characters, you need ink, which the characters can also double as. So you can have a character either be played on the board as an actual character, or you can use them as an ink resource to be able to buy more characters down the line. And I think one of the most interesting elements of the game is while they do have magical items that you can equip to characters, they also have songs. Yeah, I was trying to understand exactly how songs were going to work because I was at first I'm like, do you got to sing the song to play the card? That's flux. <laughs> you do not have to sing the song, but what they say is in all the playtests, people will say the name of the card as they're playing it and they just can't help but belt out a few <laughs> verses. You got to uh, get one jump ahead of the law, man. Exactly. <laughs> Good song. Exactly. Um, and that's one of the cards they revealed, actually. It is. Yep. And as Aladdin? is. Yep, the, the, the one jump. Yeah, the, that's the really great. Jump. I like yeah. that. And so they perform basically as magic abilities, short things that if a character that you have in play is strong enough, they can just sing that song. However, if they, if they aren't strong enough, you can spend ink to play it anyways. So there's going to be a lot of balancing of, of like characters that you actually want to use that are going to be useful, but at the same time you want to use as resources and what can they sing as far as getting you uh, easier bonuses without having to spend your ink to do it. It's a really clever process. But the story I wanted to bring forward to you two today, especially as people in the store, is they also relieved, released information about their community events. And I'm curious, from what you guys have read, does this sound familiar to you? Are they trying anything new, or are they trying something they know that works? It So... Wow. Uh, good question. Uh, and I'll say good question as a way to st stall for a second. But um, it looks everything they're doing is they ha are copying the Pokemon playbook. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like to stores, right? We were There was a group chat. We were talking about it after they kind of announced some of the OP stuff. Um, we know that Robinsberger and the Lorcana team are going to be at the Gamma Expo, which I'm leaving for next weekend. And everybody is expecting to, hopefully, we're going to get a massive data dump of how the OP is supposed to work. But the early um, information, it sounds very much like Pokemon um, in terms of, you know, it's going to be an issue for some stores because one of the things, one of the rules says you can't have any alcohol in your venue <laughs> yeah but then with the rise of board gaming cafes all over the place there's a couple in chicago there's i know there's a big one in dallas there's a big one in atlanta you know they're popping up all over the place and kind of the business model on these cafes is they also serve beer and how they balance that act i don't know how they've gotten away with doing it with pokemon anyway because pokemon's already had that rule of no alcohol sales um, but it sounds like you know they're going to be they're going to have rules dividing kids into age brackets, which Pokemon does right now. Um, it, Pokemon has juniors, which I think is up to fourteen year olds. Seniors is fourteen to seventeen, and then masters is eighteen plus. So they're going to have rules around um, uh, age brackets for for kids to play. They're going to have a different series of types of events that earn different points to go towards regionals. Um, Wizards of the Coast used to have that 
where you earned Planeswalkers points, but they mostly got rid of it in favor of go and win this event to get the one pass. You didn't you didn't grind out points anymore. You you just win. The winner gets this thing, um, which we just did with like the DreamHack series at the store. This is the Pokemon model of different types of events can earn different amounts of points. So in Pokemon, you earn points just by showing up to league play. Then if you do a tournament, you get a few more points. Then there's a thing called a challenge cup or challenge, uh, a league challenge, and you earn double the points of what you did in a regular tournament. But now we've got to, there's got to be a, a professor available to judge. And then Pokemon has Pokemon League Cups, and League Cups can only be worn once a quarter, which would be kind of, um, what were those, RCQs, Regional yep. Championship Qualifiers that Magic did? That's what's effectively the dream. Yeah, and that's that seems to be the, where there's various stages of events, and each stage you can earn different amounts of points with culminating in a bigger regional kind of event. And then invites to uh, a, a championship or a nationals kind of event. That's the model that Pokemon has, and that seems like that's the model that that Lorcan is going down right now. And we don't have all the details yet on that, but we've got kind of here are the steps that you have to do as a store to qualify to be an OP location, an organized play location for Lorcana. We've, we've got some of that information dribbling down right now. And we're just waiting for the application window to open to fill out all that paperwork. And from what little I've seen, it seems very much focused on there's a professional level of this game that you can play. But a lot of these points can come from just interacting with the game, not necessarily winning. Because it seemed like in, in some of the stories that we've been seeing coming out of this, it's, you know, if you show up, if you help someone else learn how to play the game, if you participate at the very least, you are going to receive some points that way. So I was wondering as... And they said they're going to put out um, promo cards, too, for mm-hmm. stores to award for things like that as well. Which, again, that's the thing that Pokemon has done, too, where you can give things to say, hey, you did a great job of making sure this new person felt welcome, and you exhibited you know, the, the, the tenets of the spirit of the game. Here, have this thing for just doing a good job today. Oh, you helped clean up after the event was over. Here, have a promo card for that. I like that one. I, there's there's a lot you can say about where a company thinks a, a gaming OP is going based off of how they're trying to introduce it to the world. And I think there's two general mo- models that exist now. Um, one is the Pokemon playbook that we're talking about, which I think Lurkana is definitely going for. And the other is a couple games, both recently and somewhat historically, have gone on the big money, um, get the spikes involved, throw money at the problem. Not like it's a problem, but you know what I mean. Um, and that'll get people really excited. I don't think historically that's worked out. Uh-huh. Actually, I guarantee you historically that's not worked out because I can list off the names of the games that used that methodology and none of them still exist. That usually, mean they... usually by set four. Yeah. Set yeah. three is already in production and they realize and they just don't even make a set yeah. four. And then, and then it didn't... The problem is you can only get so many people who are going to go that level at a game regardless of how much money you throw at and they'll just hang around as long as that money's flowing but you can't keep doing that i think the way that it looks like they're op i'm using the op as a general term yeah. uh it is a version of organized play is a better option in that it gets the community going it gets a local base of people who are into it let's be honest 
because it's Disney, and and that's not a horrible game plan. I mean, obviously, people like Disney, people like Star Wars. I love Disney. Like, yeah, I like yeah. Disney. I had a I had a New Year's Super resolution old. a couple years ago that I was going to rewatch every theatrical <laughs> release, forgetting but, how many there were. But, well, there's, there's a lot, but but then they're leaving themselves the window open. If the game proves that it should have a higher end play, and that's some games. There's nothing wrong with being a relatively cute, simple game, but if, if they're really, and they are, I think, trying to build in the capability of having that deeper, high-level play, the way that they're starting the system allows them that opening that, oh, eventually, you know, there will be ways to have these other events. And it's not like Disney has a shortage of cash to back it. It's I'm, true. Obviously, it's, it's Ravensburger. Ravensburger. Yeah. Memory search. But but I mean, but Disney is throwing pockets. money at it. Yeah, for sure. Well, Disney's making taking time and carving out of like D twenty three, you know, Disney celebrations things to say here's what's going on Lorcana. So Disney's invested at this at this point. Yeah, they right? could be talking about yet another movie, but they're talking about a card game. Well, they did talk about no. I mean, yeah. they but, obviously but they all D twenty three, just Lorcana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, one of the the small little elements that is in there for these stories is that not only is promo cards going to be a part, which the promo cards are just alternative art for normal cards. No, which is no gameplay change. Yes, absolutely, because people are going to eat that up. Oh, yeah. But also, apparently, pins are going to become important. Pins, like? For, like, wearing pins, yes. Oh, like, on your chest, on, on your bags. Like enamel pins. Like enamel pins. So now, those have gotten huge in the gaming industry. Those have gotten huge in the gaming Magic industry. Magic is going crazy with those. But they're amazingly massive in the Disney industry. Yep, yep, oh, yep, you yep. can You're pin wrong. trading when you go to Disney World or any Disney location is a, a massive thing. Exactly. I mean, I remember pins, not enamel because it wasn't a thing yet, but just pins in general in the 80s and then it disappeared for 20 years or 30 years. I'm pretty old. Uh, but yeah, it's come on strong. So the fact that Disney is saying, Hey, we'll create some custom pins just to, just to entice, just to give you something a little bit extra that can be added to your normal pin collection. Oh yeah. Really, I think is what sells me that this is not just Robinsberger's taking IP and making it work. It's Disney is really still having a hand in this and wanting to see it succeed as well. Because Disney likes money. Disney loves money. Who knew? If it gives us more seasons of Mandalorian and shows like it, I'm not going to argue. I definitely, like, having upset. finally seen Andor, because I'm a little behind the times, that was really good. It was so good. It was so good. I enjoyed it greatly. We're getting to the point where we can finally like watch stuff that's not, it's alternative to what we've seen before. Like, yes. this is going to be the spy thriller, and this is going to be the, the samurai western and of Seriously, the same universe. if you haven't seen any of them, Mandalorian and Andor, yes. The other two. Well, you've got to watch. Fun. You got to watch Boba Fett because of the <laughs> the tie-ins to Mandalorian. I mean, there's, well, it is Mandalorian two point five. Yeah, season two point five. Yeah, I still believe that Book of Boba Fett just should have been another season of Mandalorian. It we really should have been set the tone of like the title Mandalorian can be about multiple different people. They actually could have dovetailed it in. That would have been pretty cool. And You're they right. they had well, an they episode did. in Book of Boba Fett which was Not, these literally are spoilers. about. Mm-hmm. Din, Din, the the main Mandalorian from the show, and that was all his story. So, and it was vital. That's where we got to see some very, no spoilers, some very interesting characters that we've been wanting to see in the real world. And for I a very think long that time. they can bring Obi Wan around, right? The first yes. season of Obi Wan was a, it was a lot of backstory and a lot of setting things up with Obi Wan and young Leia. I think they can bring that around. 
but I think that they've got to, they're going to have to make some, some decisions to say, we want to curve this into the bigger story arc but, this way. But if you liked Rogue One, you must watch Andor. Agreed. It was glorious. Yes. Now, I did not expect it, and I was It so was a really good political spy thriller that happened to great. be set in the Star Wars universe. Yes. Really I, I'm going to see if you guys know the answer to this question. In one of the episodes of The Mandalorian, we did see a baby girl. This season. Uh, this season. It was uh, like, then I don't know. I haven't seen you it. You haven't seen it. Okay. Um, I'm that far behind. Then I will not say anything for you, Ken. But there is there is a validation of a actor, which ah, interesting. is, we can talk about it off the air, because I just don't want to do spoilers okay, either. thank you. But I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, yes, but I'm it's just, person. they Disney is <laughs> Disney is not just about putting things out there anymore. It's about making people who were fans of this now be in charge of it. And that's what we're seeing with Fanoi and, and Fel- uh, no, sorry, Dave Filoni, Filoni and Dave John Filoni. Favreau. Exactly. I Which is why the D&D tried to movies that. succeeded Favreau, so well, too. Exactly. Because they took fans of D&D and made a movie. Which, if you haven't seen it, what is actually wrong with you? I mean, I don't want to be judgmental, but... Wait, what? Can the D&D movie, if you haven't seen oh, it. Yeah. I thought if you were a fan of D&D and you haven't... Or yeah. even if you're not a fan of D&D. It's so good. Can I tell you were be- built on judgment? I've seen it's it three like times. being beaten by the Sonic movie. Well, I don't know what to say about that. No. Super Mario Brothers. Super I'm Mario sorry, Brothers. sorry. That's I, very I that. different things, sorry, man. Very different things. I remember the Super Mario Brothers movie. You know what ruled this weekend? Uh, the uh, re-release of Lord of the Return of the King. Yep. Really? Is number one at the box office. I didn't know it had been re-released. It's the 20th anniversary this year. I think it's the 20th anniversary this year. Anyway, go see the well, D&D movie. We tried to go this episode by not talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but of course we failed once again because it seems like in every single one of these we we've somehow shoehorned it in. But I want to talk about another RPG as we segue into there a, are a new RPGs? article. There I are. kid, I kid. And after the OGL issue, a lot of people discovered that there were new games, yeah, and that there were other things that they could play. And so that's been interesting to see. We've seen Pathfinder finally release their Orc document about you know their open play license and things along those lines, which I think at this point nobody really cares. Like I. I, it was big at the second that the OGL crisis was going down, but it seems like with the movie, everyone's just kind of moved forward and moved on. 0.5% of people actually knew that anything was happening with OGL. Yep. It's and like, those people were super pissed. This yes. is like every time that something happens, that's the end of magic. Yeah. I know this sounds like a weird weird jump, but, oh, this is the end of magic. Wizards has done something horrible, and the vast majority of players are like, what? Okay. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just playing Commander. Am I? Am I still getting a booster box next month? Yeah. Okay. Yep, I'm fine. Yep. Yeah. Right, we're good. I yep. mean, that's just how this thing works. So the <laughs> article that I want to bring up right now uh, comes from, and I'm going to try and bring it up as I'm talking. And of course, all my resources are failing me at this point. It's about Call of Cthulhu. Yes. Of from Ch- Kristen Ch- Hoffer at ComicBook.com, and what he's talked about is that. Uh, Call of Cthulhu is a is a complicated system to play, and someone has put together the use of ChatGPTU AI style programming to help people learn how to play the game, which I find to be a very fascinating idea. Now, if you're a longtime listener, you know that I'm always a proponent for technology and board games. Like I I see it as a natural evolution, but even I was not happy with the idea of chat. GPT being your dungeon master. I don't think that an AI should be the one that is dictating what your campaign is, but the idea of AI assistance is exactly the level that I want to see this technology play as. I would something that could say, "Hey, here are the possible things you could do now 
why don't you role play it out? Exactly. Or at the very least, help you discover like what certain equipment does, uh, rules definition, how certain feats are played. It, it, and I'm you know attributing this mostly to D&D in my talks, but in a game as complicated as Call of Cthulhu, just being able to ask a question privately before having to share it with the entire group is incredibly helpful. Because as I understand Call of Cthulhu, your character goes slowly insane. Learning that you can do something, learning that you can maybe surprise your other players by making a move but not actually announcing it before you do it i love that idea and ai assistance i can see being very helpful in helping people really start to get to know role-playing games well and this was specifically the ai was launched by quest portal quest portal is a virtual tabletop uh virtual rpg systems so like mm-hmm. roll 20 or fantasy grounds or any of those other ones that are out there roll i mean they're popping up left and right now you know but they, they i think that uh i was using roll 20 during the pandemic for my campaign at the beginning of the campaign a uh, pandemic roll 20 was completely unprepared for the massive <laughs> influx yeah. of people yeah. and they finally got it under control but you know now we've got these these tabletop systems popping up left and right. I had never even heard of Quest Portal until this article came it's, out. It sounds like, and this is going to sound weird because that's what I do, like a choose your own adventure interaction. In that, but but where's the ChatGPT is running it? That part of it, you know, uh, you know, oh, to the person running the game. Here's what the options that the players have, yada, 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 what's going to go on from there. I mean, I could be misunderstanding, but... And again, it's not driving it, it's driving the options. So, there ha- we, we've talked about on this podcast before that there's been AI DMs that are being designed around this program, that they are the ones giving you the prompts of where to go next, what to do, and so things that's along the those choose lines. Your adventure version. That's the choose-your-own-adventure version. What they're trying to do with this is more given an assistance for understanding just the rules of play oh. and, and how to how to actually make the game happen, which, thinking back to whenever I first started wanting to play, knowing that I could ask questions of something and not look dumb may have really opened up more doors for me. And especially in the, my first time being a dungeon master, feeling like, oh, I'm not creative enough, I can't think of the right prompts, I don't know what I'll be able to do on the fly... If I had an assistant that I could be like, give me some examples of, like, roll me an NPC, and the AI was able to just give me a random PC, NPC really fast that I could then utilize, having that sort of assistance, I think, could make the casual game player experience so much smoother and so much cleaner. So is this going to be like the, how to say this, not the descriptive text box uh, of a random D&D module, but where it says... Uh, the players will have to roll a acrobatic roll, whatever. It basically tells you that. So, it, it, not tell, but... Right, yes. Uh, you know, it gets to that point, and now it, it's informing you as the person running the game that this is how, what the, the check they need to do for this situation. Uh, so you don't have to know off the top of your head that it's XYZ. Or calculate fall damage for you. Or, like, say, uh, someone is falling 30 feet, how many dice do they need to roll? (laughs) So all those annoying tables in the original DMG. Exactly. That you don't (laughs) have to, you know, have... I like that aspect. (laughs) Exactly. Here's the price of a 30-foot sailing vessel. And And how fast it moves. I I was looking at a Kickstarter (laughs) last weekend, and it was 
one of their advertising things of the things that they were doing in this was like more random tables. And I was just I like, saw that, actually. that yeah. was a good thing. I mean, we, we want more random tables because I can't keep track of all the random tables we already have. Exactly. And so that's one of the reasons why I, I love D&D Beyond is because I have quick, easy, searchable access for all of this information. But for some reason, even D&D Beyond has not just created a page for random table generation which I feel like is always missing for me. But if I had an AI program that I could just really be like, you know, like Enterprise, just tap my communicator. Your computer. Exactly. Give and be me like, a role for a Class C treasure trove with three level 27 characters. Exactly. <laughs> if it could just come up with that sort of quick information mm. for me. And that doesn't, sure. that's still not stopping me from it's just being creative. Flip, 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 flip. Exactly. It's really allowing the gameplay to flow a that's, lot that's faster. A and thing there. Yes. Flipping as, pages. As you're making the, the visuals for it. Um, just seeing that ability, because that's always going to be a big thing for me, is making people feel like what they see on Critical Role or Dimension 20, a smooth experience where everybody knows what they're doing, is hardly ever what you see at an actual table. And, and, well, and not only that, how to say this, great DMs, and, and I don't mean just people who tell a good story and mm-hmm. that's obviously part of being a good dm the great dms also know way too much yes they're still going to be ahead of the game because it does less for them i mean i don't want it to be i fear the possibility of taking away the oomph of people who are truly great dms i don't think it can ever be that good well at least not anytime soon which is good i just i think you're right it'll help people get up to the solid dm status without hurting their brains. But I could see you <laughs> doing things too. Like, <laughs> so, okay, John, you're the game master and yeah. you tell me that I need to make an acrobatics check. Well, what if I don't even know where that, where that's at on my sheet and it highlights it and like acrobatics, like here's your acrobatics score right will, here. Will this is how you do that it. Way? I mean, is well, it they, just we don't have the all DM, the details oh, yet. We're yeah. just going off the one article they released. Because it's, and they're starting with Call of Cthulhu as the only system they're doing this it's for. It's an interesting starting choice, but I guess they... Well, it's probably one that they could get the licensing probably. rights to do it and make an official product with, yeah. with Chaosium, Well, right? Chaosium will always happily get a larger player base, so I guess it's, it's yeah. a good... St- it can't, can't hurt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah because Paizo's probably doing, working on doing their own thing, and then D&D's got D&D Beyond, and so that Call of Cthulhu is probably the next biggest one. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> count. If you that. don't say it near the mic, it doesn't count. Ken. Okay, I didn't good. want that one. I didn't there. want that one. <laughs> I might, that's the thing that I'm gets you I'm going to tell people what you said. <laughs> Ken said, Paizo's waiting to steal something. Because that's kind of what they do. I, I mean, mean, that's kind of where they, they, they started. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I always said Pathfinder was uh, D&D 3.75. I don't mm-hmm. blame them for doing it. <laughs> yeah, they took something, they took an idea, and they built on it. Sure. And they made it better, and they, well... We'll say they they modify they it. Kept they kept it going successfully. Yes. How about that? Yeah. So I just think this is a real something to keep an eye out for because you know we know what's going to happen. One person's going to do it okay. A bunch of other companies are going to see it and then do it really well, and then finally it'll end up somehow years later so, in D and D Beyond. I was going to say like, somehow oh, yeah. Apple will claim it and say Apple they invented something new. Oh, I am waiting like for like the pencil. <laughs> I have one of those. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I firmly believe, you know, PC at work, Mac at home. Like, that is the, the golden way to live. And iPad. 
the minute that we have like chat GPTU functions being built into things like Siri and Alexa and things along those lines, which are kind of precursors. I'm saying, aren't they really this, precursors to the concept? Yes, but the the interactivity that's there and the search capability. Once we have that, Hopefully we're gonna I'll have. Be dead by then. We're gonna have things that are just like the enterprise. Like we are gonna have like little communicators that are gonna be able to answer just random questions for us. You have to use the mouse. There is a small tangent here that that is the day when the human race will stop actually learning, because it'll be the Facebook step two, where they will believe whatever it tells them. So the person, much like the person who counts the votes, is the person who really controls things. The person putting the data will be the person who controls it. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not a Luddite, but see, I'm half dite. See, I see the world ending less like that and more like the Futurama episode where we <laughs> learned that there were robots and everybody just fell in love with the robots and didn't fall in love with like real human beings or <laughs> want to do anything except smooch their robot. And so the whole civilization nearly fell because... They, they wouldn't stop smooching robots. I feel like once Chat GPTU can fill I've that heard void. Now more in the last 30 I, I'm seconds. going. <laughs> see, my doomsday prediction is that we're going to end up more like Wally, oh, where well. everybody's in car, everybody's in a chair, nobody walks for themselves, nobody feeds themselves. That's and the, yeah, I think that's the. But route at least we're going. we'll be in. Space. If we're going to be doom and gloom, at least I think we'll be Wally's in space. the way we're going. We've we've seen those milkshakes though, and they look really good. They do kind of. One of those milkshakes. I've had a lot of protein shakes in the last week and a half, so yeah. Uh, so, you know, a lot of this stuff we're talking about is hypotheticals. Let's talk about what's here and now in the new hotness of the store. Now, I've sent you guys pictures for, you know, what is currently in the new hotness at Red Raccoon Games, Don't located in the Bloomington, dream that Illinois. They have that we know everything. Just in our off, store. Oh, I do this off all the, the time. Oh, I know. Um, I will say a lot of stuffies on the new stuff, uh, the new hotness. Very right cute now. Cthulhu's again. So, yeah, these are um, these are actually backpacks. They are backpack oh. stuffies uh, Wait, with straps on them. They have a zipper in the back of them. You can for a third grader. For who, most of these are not purchased or, by or third graders. Or Katie. Yes. Katie is, Katie is the Katie's target, the target audience. <laughs> yes. Yep. Which, Katie's by the way, the employees, by the way. I just want to give a shout out because Katie is now a Pokemon professor. Yes, for she Red is. Red she did. She passed she her test this week. Today. Dr. Katie. Dr. Katie. Professor Katie. <laughs> professor Katie, yes. Um, no, those are all. So there's a, the skeleton bat, the the plague doctor, uh, Cthulhu, the danger bunny is the pink one stuffed at the bottom where you can't even tell oh. what it is. It's his ears folded over his face. That, is that, okay. there? that explains a lot. Okay. And there's a there's a purple dragon. So if you're taking uh, am, we'll, we'll say if you're taking Ambien, you can chase the purple dragon. <laughs> and those are all backpacks that they they unzip and you can store stuff in them and zip them up and then they wear them like a backpack and take them wherever you're gonna go. A backpack or a purse or something of that nature, and just have a cute stuffy riding on your back. That's those were all things great. that I, from the, my Las Vegas trip. There's a oh, new lightsaber. Okay. Yeah, the Luke Skywalker's. The, the new Luke, right? It's the Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber from season two of The Mandalorian, because his original blue one, which was actually Anakin's, right? Here's your father's <laughs> yeah. lightsaber. No, it went um, down the shaft in the uh, with his the arm. Death Star. With his. No, it was in the Death Star when right before Vader throws the Emperor down the shaft. Oh yes. Oh, when did he lose the one with on his arm to Vader? And oh, spoiler alert. Uh, is it a spoiler Empire, when it came in out in 1982? I mean, hey, it's 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 so old, younger than I am. He lost one in in Empire. In Empire with his arm. Yes, and then that's the one I think Ray eventually picks up, right? Yes, but really, yes. 
the Where one. Where did she find it? It was in that Ray found it in the chest in the bar. So the question is, is how did it get? The Somebody thing? went to Best Bin. Well, they never say a how it giant. got from Best Bin <laughs> oh, that's a to account. that yeah. chest in, okay. in the Okay, it, it just happened. Yeah. Maz Kanata somehow yeah. managed well, no, to pick that it I up. I could see. Yes. Okay, I'll give you that. And then at the Death Star, yes, we, we do see the loss of his sure, original sure. green lightsaber, which I didn't know that there was a different, you know, a different lightsaber it's for Hasbro. They that, can so. find. Yeah, know, this is the find. one. This is because that's him wearing the black cloak on the box. It's on him wearing the black oh, cloak yeah, from okay. when he comes onto the scene in the... Spoiler alert. In Mandalorian. Speaking <laughs> of awesome props that you can have hanging around your house, they you also have the Indiana Jones... Um, a whip? The staff topper. The staff top oh, for finding the Lost Ark. Yeah, it's the one that uh, the He's guy gets it burned in his palm. Yep, right? yes. and he grabs it out but of the only gets half of it. It's just that part of it? It's just yeah. that part of it. Where is it in here? It's the, the top, top left. left. Oh, I see it now. Okay. Yes, they went to Tannis, which is a real place, by the way. My archaeology and mine are kicking in. Going back to board games, I always feel like Unstable Unicorn, uh, Unstable Games does a fantastic <laughs> job. They're the ones that came out with Unstable Unicorns. They have come out with so many good games. T-Fury. T-Fury. Is the company that oh. makes them all. Is it? Okay. Unstable was a really good name for a company, though. So oh, never mind. With that. It's, they're all from T-Fury. Like Slay, the, here be, or Slay, um, here to Slay, here to slay um, Happy Little Dinosaurs, Unstable Unicorns. I think that's all T-Fury. All right, I'm going to do some checking on that. But there's a new game that they have out called Tic Tac uh, KO, Cute versus Evil. I was thinking Tic Tac Lumberjack. I'm like, that's very similar. Yeah. That's Um, a great game. No, that's – and I – that one's going to be sold out pretty fast at the rate it's selling too. So it's it's going quickly. Um, If you're a minis person, I strongly suggest the Death Dragon. I'm being proven wrong. You're so wrong. Unstable Games is who makes it, but Unstable Games may be just the game version of T Fury. Yes, that's probably the case. That checks out. Yeah, Uh, I'm excited to play. We actually one that we got in just on Friday is my Shelfie. Well, because Shelfie is like, I mean, Shelfie was in in the game world. We all have our Shelfies, right? We're sitting in John's room looking at John's Shelfie, and there's a Shelfie of just D and D books, and there's another Shelfie of just party games. And then there's another shelf of just one-player games, right? Um, and so John's far more organized than mine. My shelfie is, where did it fit, right? You don't want to see mine. <laughs> yeah. But this is a game where, in, in shelfie, you're building what that shelf looks like, and it doesn't have to be games. It could be, you could be a book collector. You could have plants in there. You could make a space for your cat. And you're, you're it kind of looks a little bit like a a connect four board because each person is building their own shelfie out and it's, you know, it looks like a Kallax and Ikea Kallax because that's what we all use now. Um, and, uh, and, and, but you get points by putting things that create synergies next to each other. Be that. This really sounds like King Domino done in it. <laughs> but, yeah. vertically, but vertically. Yeah. Vertically. Yeah. Cause you have to put things in an order. And so when they, um, you can't just build them uh, willy nilly, you got to kind of put them in a very specific order so, to get those synergies. So what? Okay, something that became a big thing with the I can't remember the name of the program. All of a sudden, that people used during the world shutdown. Zoom. Zoom. Sorry, yeah, became a, bit, a Zoom thing though. It had been existed before. Was that inevitably authors would miraculously have copies of their own books behind them? What is the board game version of that? Publishers did that left and right. I mean, all the publisher presentations they had an entire shelf right behind their head of just their games. 
every presentation had just their games behind them. It was, I mean, it was basically showing off geek cred of like, look, I have Shadow Hunters look or this up. other super mm, rare copy Shadow of a game. Hunters. You know, I love me. Some I think Shadow there Hunters. was a one CEO of Microsoft video they did where he had like the first generation Zune like in the background of his. Wow. Of yeah, his yeah someone bought one. I funny. We'll we'll talk a little bit later. <laughs> There's a funny story about Zunes that I'll I'll bring up. But one other game that I saw that kind of I didn't hear much about, but I love the series is Tiny Epic Vikings has come out. Mm-hmm. Which for those of you that don't know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Tiny Epic games are amazing for the price point, for the size that you don't have to really store them that much. But they pack so much game. That's their whole entire genre is. How can we make something really fun in a really small box? The first one was a Kickstarter challenge. They, they, there was a Kickstarter challenge of what's the best game that you can fit inside of this box. And then um, and then they just ran with it. And the very first game they put out was Tiny Epic Galaxies. Fantastic game. And then they've done, let's see, Zombies, Tactics, Mech, ta- Defenders, um, John, you own isn't all of them. Apparently, they're all like a whole. I was gonna say, isn't that side of my side? one of my shelfies? If, is yeah, if we yeah. had a picture, we would show you the shelfie. Of it. Now, a couple of the more recent ones have also gotten small expansion boxes as well. So, Dude, so the, the the expansions are on theme too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because why not? Uh, yeah. Tiny Epic Dungeons was the last one I think I played, and it was a dungeon crawler done right. It was so good. You got unique characters with unique abilities. Tile flipping all within a small little box. Yeah, so Tiny Epic Vikings has kind of got some drafting elements into it, and it's got some um, area control going on. So Cora came to join me. Yes, Cora, my dog, has now joined the podcast. Yes, she's taking a nap. She's been sleeping. Yeah, Yeah. the nap was been going Um, on. But yeah, tiny. So this one's uh, every single one of the Tiny Epic games plays differently. Okay. And and this one is like I said, drafting and area control. So that's. You know, and I love the fact they're the ones, um, the tiny Epic folks are also the ones that first gave Meeple's accessories. Yes. So like um, tiny Epic zombies, like you can um, equip a baseball bat on your Meeple um, or you can make and drive a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Tiny Epic dungeons, you get like a wizard's hat or a sword or a shield that you can put on your Meeple. Tiny Epic Mechs, you actually got a mech suit that you can put, like, rocket launchers and machine like guns a, on. Is this sort of deranged uh, dress-up? Basically. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, like this the, is the, like the, warlocks. The old uh, paper dolls, and you yeah, put yeah, stuff yeah. on them, but you're using it with, with meeples, right? That's hilarious. Yeah. And so, Sorry, this is a hole in my specific personal we will We will break some out before we leave podcasting today. Um, but these are all great games that are available, but oh, what would... Oh. We gotta talk about Zombicide. Rio Z Janeiro, Janeiro's on there. Of course. It's, it's Zombicide, cam- so we do have to talk it's about it. It's a campaign yes. expansion for Zombicide 2nd Edition. You go to Rio, and they introduce a, a, a ton of characters that are a ton of, of people who would, you would expect to live in Rio Z Janeiro. I've gotten to play... You are, in, you are in fact, saying Z, right? Rio yes. Z. Just making sure. So yeah. This is like World well, War did, Z action. Well, the, one of the <laughs> other campaigns they did was Washington ZC instead of Washington DC, and you have to get the president, and you got to get the president out in that one. I have my Rio Z scenario. I just haven't opened the box yet to, to read what the... I do like to say it. <laughs> uh, to, to, to see what the campaign's going to be this time, because John and I still haven't finished uh, Fort, Fort Hendricks. So on Friday, when you were playing Zombicide... Yes, I was actually replaying a campaign I had already, a session I'd already done, gone through with Jamie. Uh, I just wanted to enjoy good company. 
So they're fantastic. If you love zombie movies, it gives you the right look and feel. And some of the characters inside these, the the characters really are locked into the campaign mode uh, because of their special abilities. They're really made for uh, a special mechanic, which is in it called breaking. So that way, whenever you play through multiple different scenarios, weapons might break over time, depending on how you roll. Or you can actually push weapons beyond their capabilities and they end up breaking because of it. So sadly, none of the characters you have in the campaign can really jump into the main game. But it is still an awesome time, an awesome experience, well-themed, and they have so many add-ons. The other game that we got that I wanted to talk about was something we've never had before. It's called This, That, and Everything. And it's a party game. It's kind of behind the Luke Skywalker box a little bit because too many in this picture. But it's a party game, and it is, think, um, speed taboo with some categories mixed into it, right? That's so, not a combination I would have ever asked for, but yeah. it sounds interesting. Yeah, so I get a card of six things that are kind of all related in a group, and I have 30 seconds to give my team clues and get them to guess as many as possible and then the points go up, escalating the more that we get right for that round, right? Oh, okay. So um, you keep you, uh, um, but I can say anything I want as long as I don't say the name of that particular item that it might be. But I got to give the clues, and it's got to go fast. And I we did it on a live video, and I tried to give clues to Alexis, and she was not getting it. <laughs> but then Ariel and Grant started yelling from across the room, and they were they were like. They were on page with me too. So. Note to self: Do not team with my granddaughter. Yeah, we we need to establish some inside jokes if you're going to be making those. Ag has decided I am Grandpa. That is my nickname. Yes. And so again, default, who is she, Ag? Oh, you are, sorry. You're, you're, I just uh, Alexis. Yes, this is not just for people that work at Rhetoric. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. One of our my uh, the person who runs the web department sort of. Yes. It's confusing. Uh, is Alexis. Ag calls me grandpa because I'm old. That's fair. Yes. So yes. now can I segue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Excellent. Sorry. So uh, let's go ahead and move into what are some reasons people could come in the store and pick up these games this week? Like, what's going on? Are the puzzle still on sale? Um, the Through puzzle today? sale ends tonight, so not going to be. <laughs> not going to be. Not really no, going to be. Sorry. John's going to get the podcast out in a few hours, but the store may already be closed before that happens. Normally, we we launch the podcast for everybody on sure. Mondays. Okay. So. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, so Patreon subscribers will hear it first. I did get my Patreon video up yesterday immediately after I took it, though. So the Patreon video actually got up the same day I made the video this time. But I still think I beat you. I still think the podcast was up ahead of you. Last time you absolutely did. This time you didn't. Um, So uh, we got that. We got 115 new puzzle designs that are going to make it onto the shelf. The March of the Machines set, it's all available. Um, And so this upcoming Friday will be the first time we draft the set for Friday Night Magic. Uh, Yeah, nowadays it's legal as soon as the set comes out. There's so much um, stuff that's coming out this week. Pre-orders are open for March of the Machines, the Aftermath set, and for uh, Magic, the Lord of the Rings set. Um, we have pre-orders open for those. We just opened up pre-orders for the next Pokemon set. Um, 
digit. God, there's so many, so many things. By the coming way, at this so point. you don't worry about it too much. If you're a magic player, aftermath is not a normal set. It's it's the denouement of the whole storyline. So it's a subset. There's no yeah, pre-release. There won't even be a pre-release for aftermath. Yeah, you get to get breathe for a minute. We're in the Lord middle. Of the Rings is coming. If you see a post soon too, um, we're in the middle of starting to do all of our planning for Free RPG Day, which is June twenty fourth. And so, if you are you are a DM who is interested in running a an event, we always kind of do those as almost like two hour snippets to introduce somebody to these different systems, like Call of Cthulhu or City of Mist, or there's a brand new system coming out from. Um, I think it's from ninth level games called Dragon's Bane that I know Dave Ross already reached out to me that he wants to run. Um, you know, there's a zombie, another Zombicide Chronicles module. Zombicide has an RPG called Zombicide Chronicles, and I think Jay's going to run that one. Um, Anna's got a new Aliens campaign that she's getting ready to launch. There is a guy who wants. Uh, there's, there's so much stuff. So much Check stuff. out the calendar at yeah. redraccoongames.com because that's what I have to do when somebody asks me, "Hey, when can I do this?" I'm like, "Hold on, let me look at the calendar because there's a ton of things happening." On By the, the way, bri- bribery works if you want space. Maybe, maybe not to Jamie, but you know. Anyway, yeah. Um, we, do we discuss we, possible future kickstarters that people can contact us about? Actually, I have something for that in a little bit because I, I was going back to Zombicide, but. Which you uh, might be too. Zombicide Black Plague has got a White. Kickstarter going right now called White Death. Yes. That adds basically like the White Walkers from Game of Thrones into Zombicide. And Chance is all hot and bothered because he now loves, loves Zombicide. Zombicide Black Plague. Yeah. Well, I think that there are, first of all, there's winter elements so the zombies can freeze, which is yeah. new. Uh, and it there's takes walls. place more, yes, it takes place more in the um, ancient China era, like the Warring Kingdoms era of China. Um, you know, the but it seems like they the pulled a lot out of Chinese, Korean, Japanese mythology. Yes, and they they're bringing a lot of, you know, Zombicide for their stretch goals has always brought forward characters that were one hundred percent plays on, oh, yeah. Western movies Terrible and puns. TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like oh, that is totally Gordon Ramsay, or this is totally this is all the characters from Big Bang Theory. It's Bruce Campbell. It's yeah. or. In Zombicide Black Plague in the past, we've had all the characters from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> this time, they're pulling all these characters out of uh, Asian movies and out of mythology and out of Asian TV shows and anime, and they're pulling all these characters in this time. If you've ever played the video game series Dynasty Warriors, it's very much on brand with that. Yeah, that, that's that a good vibe. way to say it. Yeah. Looks super cool. They're going to be Absolutely. beautiful with some of the paint jobs some of our, our folks have done. And deed and with that our episode is going to come to a close i would like to thank staff members who joined me today and if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with them come and find them at red raccoon games located in downtown bloomington illinois where if you want to know what kickstarters are coming up or if you have an idea of something you'd like the store to have there's actually a form that you can fill out uh it should be on the website here pretty soon but it's located in a few places that you can suggest ideas if you don't see anything uh that you want to try and get or if you uh, want to try and do some pre-orders, we can have you set up for that as I well. always tell people, last year, 3,500 3, new SKUs came out in the board game industry. Yep. And we don't have space for them all. 
So if you're looking for a game that we don't have, we will try to order it for you and you get 10% off because it wasn't in the store the first time you asked about it. If you're looking for an expansion, there are there are 14 expansions to Dominion now. Yeah. We don't have space for all on the shelf or all 10 expansions for Carcassonne or... All you know, of every, Zombicide. We're all a Zombicide. No one has all, space for all of Zombicide. Yeah, my, my shelf. <laughs> Except Jamie's well, they, attic. They're not even on the shelf, though. They're a stack of boxes on the floor now because <laughs> they don't all fit. Yeah. Um, so, so we can't store everything, even in the new space. We will not have enough space for everything, but we will go out and look for the game and try to bring it in for you. We do it all day, every day. That's what they do. Uh, I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music. And feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice. Or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out on the show. For those of you that are Patreon supporters, stick around. We're going to be playing a little bit of a game with our uh, elder geeks that are at the table. But for everyone else, until next time, keep playing. See y'all later. Bye-bye.